Over the past year, we've seen a lot of examples of disunity all around us, partly because of isolation from each other, but in a lot of other ways as well, along racial lines or political lines or health opinion lines or even religious lines. We've seen the consequences, the effects of disunity all around us. But the problem of disunity is not a problem of difference, not according to the Christian perspective. Certain people would want to have everybody thinking the same way. That is not the Christian approach to the problem of disunity that we experience in our society around us. The fourth Sunday of Easter is always Good Shepherd Sunday. And Good Shepherd Sunday is also the Sunday where it's the world day of prayer for vocations. And the gospel is always the gospel of the Good Shepherd. The focus on the shepherd and the flock. What we don't always think of or remember is that when it comes to deacons, priests, bishops, and that vocation, the sacrament that is there is called holy orders. You know, we often talk about priesthood. We sometimes talk about deacons, but almost never talk about bishops. But all of those are the sacrament of holy orders. And it's very purposeful why it's called holy orders. The whole purpose of deacons, priests, and bishops in the life of the church is to maintain order. How? Through fostering unity. The whole purpose of holy orders is to maintain communion within the life of the church. My favorite definition of a priest from Pope John Paul II is a priest is a man of communion. It's their whole purpose. It's my whole purpose is within our community is to maintain unity. And the way that the priest does that best is through the sacraments. Communion is the whole purpose and goal of our life in the sacraments. In baptism, we are drawn into communion with God, becoming his sons and daughters. In the sacrament of confession, we are brought back into communion with God when our sin has strained or broken that communion. We come to receive Holy Communion, the Eucharist, which is the source of the communion that we have with God and with each other. That a priest comes, goes out, and brings the sacrament of the sick because one of the side effects of being sick is being out of communion. You're isolated bringing God and the community to the person who is sick. Marriage is about human communion between two people, the strongest witness that we have of communion between people. And then confirmation is all about us being vehicles of communion in the world, that we don't just hold this to ourselves, but we desire to bring communion among all peoples. The priest fosters unity by offering the sacraments to the people of God. Because when it comes to actually living out unity and communion, all of us clergy are in the same spot as you. We've got to figure it out. It's not a straightforward thing. How do we deal with difference? How do we live side by side in Christian love with somebody that thinks completely different than us? or lives in a way that we disagree with, because that's what we're called to do. 
and one of the greatest scandals of the Christian church in the world is our complete lack of unity. And we've seen that manifested. I don't know how closely you follow. If you don't, stay away from it because it's not worth your time. But the disunity within our Catholic church throughout this pandemic has shown itself in spades, let alone the Christian church as a whole. How do we strive for unity just within, among other Catholics, let alone with all peoples of the world? And I think the gospel of the Good Shepherd points us to just three basic things that Jesus becomes the example of for us. The first is when he says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and I know them. It's a simple principle, simple human principle. We start by listening. We start by listening to what the other person has to say, has to offer. Because no person, not even the church as a whole, has complete authority over truth. This is why we have the clergy. We're trying to discern the truth that God is leading us into. We don't have it all figured out. We are unpacking the revelation of Jesus Christ for two millennia now, and it will continue until his second coming. There's a lot of things that we know to be true, but we're not a neat packaged deal that we then present to somebody. We are wrestling and struggling through coming to know Christ in this life so as to be with him in the next. Together as Christians, we're wrestling with that, and the only way we can wrestle with that together is when we start by listening. By listening, we are simply acknowledging, I don't have all the answers, but maybe together we can find an answer. We have to start by listening. Second, Jesus says, I have sheep that are not of this fold, but they need to come to me. That there are people that are not of this fold different than us, but they belong to the same shepherd. How do we deal with what is different? How can we acknowledge what is good in the other? I've seen too many examples lately where we are entrenched in ideas And so all you can do is point out the bad that's in the other side and lift up the good that's on your side. And there's no ability to say, I disagree fundamentally with that idea, but thank you for doing that. How can we acknowledge the good that is present in the people, in the opinions, in the groups that we completely disagree with? Because that's where truth comes from. We don't start by acknowledging everything that's wrong. We start by acknowledging the good that God has already placed there and help it to be drawn out. But if all we try to do is correct the wrong that we see in others, that'll never bring unity. Parents, with your children, how well does that work for you? It doesn't. You strive to bring out the good that is in your children, acknowledge the wrong, acknowledge what you disagree with, but the greater power is bringing out the good, not correcting the wrong. There is difference within the fold, and it's good. Love only exists in difference. Love is not needed when everything is the same. And the third, probably the most important and the hardest, I lay down my life. What are we willing to give up for the sake of unity? 
What am I willing to relinquish for the sake of unity? And I think what's important to remember in that is to remember why we're doing it. Because I know for myself in discerning priesthood, it was always thinking about what I have to give up, what I have to give up, what I have to give up. Not what I'm doing it for. It was only in coming to a realization of what's the point that whatever had to be given up made sense. So what are we striving for? What does unity really mean? What does living in communion with each other really mean? And when we live and we strive for that, then we figure out what we're willing to give up for. That communion starts with us. It starts in our own minds and our own hearts. Because how quick are we to judge? How quick are we to recognize the wrong and the, the log in our neighbor's eye? Or the speck in our neighbor's eye? Omitting the log in ours. It begins in our own life of prayer. In starting to see ourselves and to see others with the eyes of Christ. Communion starts within my own heart. It starts with acknowledging the disunity that I can even see in myself. And from that, communion grows in the Christian community. This is what we're called to live. And I do it poorly. We do it poorly. We're losing a sense of what it means to be in communion with each other. Just living side by side is not communion. Communion comes in listening first to what the other person has to offer, of acknowledging the good that is in them, regardless of how different their thoughts, actions, words are than mine. And it's being willing to give up something that's good in me for the sake of maintaining unity with my brother or sister in Christ. Because there's a reason that this comes up the fourth Sunday of Easter is because very early on in the church, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, disunity already starts to grow within the Christian community very shortly after the resurrection. Maintaining unity among human beings has always been an issue. But the whole reason that Jesus comes is so that we can have communion with the Father and with each other. And so we pray for vocations to holy orders as the gift to our life of faith, understanding how it becomes a gift for the sake of communion, first and foremost through the sacraments, how that, that nurtures communion between us and God and with each other, and then in our own life of faith. So today at Mass, pray for vocations, because like I tell people, one day I want to retire, and I'm a little overworked and I could use some help. So more priests would be nice. You all know that. You experience it. Pray for it because the call towards unity, the call to serve that unity, begins in our own mind and our own hearts. And so the way that you foster that in your families and in your communities is what grows vocations. People always ask me, ask my parents, what did you do that made Christopher become a priest? And I tell people, I don't remember my parents ever once bringing up priesthood. But it was their love for each other, their communion, 
that gave witness to something that made priesthood real.